0: So anybody that comes to work with me gets asked a lot of questions. We dive into their personal um, human side of them and um, we give them permission, you know, permission to do things without knowing the how. I think nurses, we love to know how are we going to do that? Because we're trained in that way, right? We've got a policy procedure for everything. I think in your career, you have to get comfortable doing something without knowing how it's going to turn out and
1: accepting that. What's happening out there in the realms of nurse career coaching in both the southern and northern hemispheres? Let's talk all about it with Liam Caswell, my fellow nurse career expert and podcaster located down under in sunny Sydney, Australia, right here on episode 397 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast, of course, is all about you, your personal and professional development, your nursing and healthcare career, and the healthcare system writ large. And I'm here to share education, ideas, Fairly frequent diatribes and very frequent informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people out there in the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride, and I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And if you'd like to help other people find the show, consider leaving a rating and review over on apple podcasts google podcasts amazon spotify or any other app you choose to use and consider becoming a patron at patreon.com that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash nurse keith i appreciate you all so so very much for whatever form of support you would like to throw my way Please head over to nursekeith.com to find the show notes for this episode in the podcast drop down menu. And like I said, I am here with Liam Caswell. This is an exciting day for me because Liam is sort of like my down under doppelganger, nurse, (laughs) podcaster, nurse, career coach, life coach, all around amazing person. And I am so, so thrilled to have you here, Liam. This is just so cool. I've been so excited about this. And my first question I want to ask of you before we talk about your illustrious career and all the cool things you're doing is what would you say in a nutshell what's the nursing zeitgeist in Australia right now like what do you what do you hear in the airwaves down there
0: um, thank you so much for for inviting me on. Um, I'm so excited to be here. I at the moment in Australia, we're really honing in on um patient ratios. Um, I'm not sure if that's a thing um, across in the US, but oh, we're we really we
1: never like- talk about that in the United States ever. <laughs> never. No, we do all the time. So tell me more it's, about
0: that. Yeah. So I mean, across across the nation, you know, we have um, different healthcare systems and the public private, and we're all kind of battling to decide who who gets the best ratios and what happens and how that works. And that seems to be at the forefront of the moment ratios um, pay of course, and generally just support and culture, um, across the healthcare realm down here, down under, um,
1: they're the three main things that we're tackling right now. Interesting. You must be reading our mail. Um, because <laughs> it's, it's the same here. Um, We are talking about ratios, we're talking about burnout, compassion fatigue, moral distress, Mm -hmm. moral injury, um, shortage, massive nursing shortage in different parts of the country, of course. Um, What else are we talking about? Oh my gosh, there's, there's so much. I mean, looking at United States Bureau of Labor Statistics data out there, job growth for nurses, registered nurses has kind of plummeted to some extent over the last couple of years. It's down to like 9% projection over the next 10 years through 2031. Mm -hmm. Job growth projections for medical doctors is 3% right now in the next 10 years. Nurse Mm -hmm. practitioners is 40%. So some interesting dynamics are happening right now. And I guess Australia is not that different, is it?
0: No, and I think that this has been a theme of my career as I moved between, you know, the UK, Australia, and then I was across in Fiji for a little while, um, doing some voluntary work. Uh, slightly different across there, but the general theme is the same, right? Globally, and I find mm. it fascinating that we're all dealing with the same thing, um, and that we're yet to come to like a conclusion of what what is the best approach to move forward. I think one of the challenges we have here is that we. We believe, there's a, there's a common held belief that nursing ratios are going to fix all the problems. Mm. And that's something that I'm like, I've been talking about a bit more recently because I think that it's great and we definitely need them for patient safety and for our own um, license safety. But, you know, when we really look at it, it's just... The top of the iceberg isn't it i mean you know mm-hmm. what what happens when we're then ratioed to one to four patients and we have no staff <laughs> then what mm. then what do we do and how does that you know impact patient safety day to day when we're looking at our patients and um somebody says they're not that's not my patient you know i've only got four patients and that happens all the time right and it mm. it throws up all of these questions and things that you know i don't think that we've maybe thought about or you know the horror
1: ups have not thought through I think that's true. We only have one state in the United States where ratios are legislated, which is California. And I hear mixed reviews of it, though the general sense I get is that people are glad that it exists so that there's some kind of common ground from which to work. But there are there are so many concerns on the minds of nurses, the level of attrition from the profession is astronomical right now which is very disturbing and i think the work that you and i do in our respective hemispheres is very important because we're trying to help nurses be happy and stay in mm. the game even if they become nurse entrepreneurs we just want them to maintain that identity and and make the best of all the blood sweat and tears and money and resources they put into becoming nurses in the first place mm. So when you hear from people and you're a nurse career coach and you work yeah. mostly with people from down under, but also some from the UK, are you hearing these same themes that you just mentioned or are there any other issues that bubble to the surface frequently for mm. the people who come to you saying, Liam, please help me?
0: Yeah. I think a couple of things come to mind. So number one, it's just general lack of support. Mm -hmm. There's just no support. They're getting no guidance from either their university as they're training, but also as they move through their career. There's no follow-up. There's no career planning. There's no, you could go here. There's no, you know, Keith, you'd be really great at this. There's just no support and investment. Mm -hmm. So that's the first issue. So therefore, you've then got nurses who are burnt out, overworked, underpaid, you know, stressed, operating from fight or flight, trying to navigate, where they should go. And of course, they, it throws up all the questions and all the doubt. So options and, and guidance. And then a lot of it with me comes down to mindset, right? And the stories that our nurses tell themselves day to day um, mm-hmm. about what is possible for them in their careers. And this was my story. I was telling myself that I couldn't do all of these things and that I wasn't capable and that I had that real negative inner narrative. I call it the inner matron, you know, I had the inner matron um, chatting and, and telling me all the things. And that's what I see very frequently is, you know, I could never do that. It's not possible for me. It's a lot of negative inner talk. Um. So options, clarity, uh, support, and and mindset really is critical. And then, of course, the collective belief within the industry's thoughts like you can't do this if you don't have x amount of experience mm-hmm. you know you've got to get a, a masters degree before you can move forward and become a leader all of these beliefs that are not founded and they're all you know just beliefs that we've believed to be true within the industry they stop people from moving forward so they're the com- the things that come up predominantly within my work
1: okay and these things we believe that aren't necessarily true are these would you put these in the category of myths that get propagated and kind of they take on a life of their own?
0: Yeah, I mean, one down here that comes up a lot within um, my clients and my nursing clients is um, that you need. So we, when we finish university here, we do three years and then we apply for graduate programs. Right within the hospital, so it's a little different to the US, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so we apply to the hospital for a graduate program. And there's a belief, common health belief here in Australia, that if you don't get a graduate program, you won't succeed. Like you will ah. not be able to build your career. You won't be able to move forwards, especially if you're an international nurse, because we attract a lot of amazing internationals, because it's a beautiful country. Um, they they believe that they can't get a, a job and that they won't get a job. Hmm. So you've got people coming here that are training, spending hundreds of thousands on degrees from Korea, Asia, you know, the US, Canada. Um, studying nursing, and then for three years, they're being told, you can't move forward, you can't get a job if you don't get a graduate program. And of course, it's absolute rubbish.
1: (laughs) What does a graduate program mean in Australia? What does that actually look like day to day? It
0: varies state to state, but it is basically uh, your first nursing job, with mm-hmm. educator support. Like we dress it up to be this big thing, but that's effectively what it is. It's uh it's a transition to practice program. Oh, you know, it's your okay. first year and we support well, quote unquote support. We give you mm-hmm. a couple of study days. Maybe you'll see the educator, maybe you won't. Um it's very variable. I see. Um it's I just see
1: yeah, it's, it's not ideal. (laughs) That would be related to it here in the United States would be a nurse residency program where you graduate from school, you apply to a highly competitive nurse residency Mm -hmm. and it, it's a specialty. So you might get an emergency department or ICU residency and some are short. They're just weeks. Some are six months or 12 months, and some can be quite, quite robust. And Mm. I've been arguing for quite some time that rather than the few lucky blessed ones who happen to get into a nurse residency, rather than that scenario, every single nurse who graduates should go directly into a residency with incredible levels of support mentorship for Mm. 12 months. Mm. And it sounds like that's what tries to happen in Australia and maybe it doesn't quite work that way. And one of the myths here Rather than the graduate program like you have is we have this whole myth of you have to work in med surge, medical surgical Mm. for a year or you'll never have a viable career. So these myths seem to have parallels no matter where you live and work. Absolutely. Yeah, we have that one as well. <laughs> we
0: have that one as well. You do. Um, okay. Yeah, the graduate programs are great. And I think residency programs like would be an amazing addition. I think when they're done well, and they're really focused on coaching and mentoring and helping people transition through that year, mm-hmm. from, my, from my experience, they're very focused on clinical skill development, which is what they should be. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't take into account the human that is nursing you know the the person mm. behind the nursing identity mm-hmm. and of course that first year you come up against all of it right imposter syndrome self doubt self confidence all of the things all of the mind drama um comes up over those first 6 to 12 months and i think that that's the missing piece here in australia
1: yes and i also assume i don't know but i'm making an assumption that like here in the US, I'm assuming that nurses are probably the largest segment of the healthcare workforce in Australia.
0: That's right. We have, um, we're a bit smaller than the US, but we have about half a million nurses here. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And you're probably, if you take all the different people who work in various professions within healthcare, the largest segment would be nurses. And they totally. do the, they're like the backbone or the, the lifeblood, I sometimes call them the mitochondria of, (laughs) of healthcare. So, okay. So let's talk about as a nurse career coach and a life coach like me, you bring a certain je ne sais quoi to the work, right? (laughs) You bring a certain, um, way of looking at things, a certain Mm. philosophy. And I know part of your, your take on this, whole profession and the approach is doing it on your own terms. Mm. So what are the messages that you like to feed to your audience from your awesome podcast high performance nursing and mm. also your your coaching clients. Like what do you like them to take away from working with you or hearing you about mm. what does it mean to to do nursing on your own terms in Liam Caswell's world?
0: Yeah. Um, So for me, it's really about us identifying like the human beneath the nursing identity. I think that that's so important. And for me, that was something that I, I was missing for the first 10 years of my career. I really just dove in. I was very young into the profession. I came straight from school into university and into the job. And I didn't take any time to really get to know who I was. And I was kind of job hopping, trying to find myself in the career rather than looking inwards and just focusing on what is it that I want to do? Like, what are my values? What do I love doing? Um, You know, what do I want my nursing life to look like? And then creating from there, I was doing it back to front. So mm-hmm. um, I really love focusing in on helping people identify more about their values, their characteristics, how they align in their careers, what jobs suit them, you know, giving themselves permission is such an important thing Mm -hmm. to just explore. And I truly believe that I want people to sample, I want people to experiment and to try different areas. I think we're taught here in Australia and in the UK get into a critical care specialty, then you can build your career and it will just go gangbusters from there, Absolutely. which, you know, there is truth in that for sure. You know, they're, mm-hmm. definitely critical care specialties are favored, but we, um, I also encourage people to like drop out of critical care and go and do what they want to do because there are no rules, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that we believe that there are some unspoken rules and unspoken truths some guidebook somewhere that i'm yet to find that we have to follow mm-hmm. and that in my experience hasn't been true and in fact i talk about like hitting rock top you know in my career getting to the top levels and just being like hold on <laughs> what's happening where am I going? Is this what I want my life to look like? Is this how I want to show up? Does this align with my ethics, my morals, my vision for my life? And just being really curious and questioning everything I think is so important for clinicians. So anybody that comes to work with me gets asked a lot of questions. We dive into their personal um, human side of them and um, we give them permission, you know, permission to do things without knowing the how. I think nurses we love to know how are we going to do that because we're trained in that way right we've got a policy procedure for everything mm-hmm. we i think in your career you have to get comfortable doing something without knowing how it's going to turn out and accepting that
1: i think that's really brilliant and you mentioned values which is close to my heart and close to my values and you i know you have beliefs around when your values and what you do on a day-to-day basis or maybe even the organization for whom you work there's a misalignment and things don't feel quite right and that can cause a lot of cognitive dissonance for nurses mm. that's where moral and ethical conundrums start to come up like i don't like how my my employer goes about this or whatever it is whether it's related to patient care whether it's related to the community surrounding the organization or it's how they treat their staff, whatever it happens to be. So I do different assessments. I use the Barrett Values Assessment. There's all sorts of ways to assess one's values. What do you advise? And this is a big question. We could spend an hour on this. But when someone feels a misalignment between their inner core values Mm -hmm. and what they truly believe for themselves, for their lives, and the work they're doing. What is what is a nurse to do? Mm, <laughs> that the is the question. Like <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, look for me, I think I can talk from my experience in having helped, you know, a couple of hundred people do this. I think that the first thing I would be telling people to do or, or exploring is um what what Stories are we running about our nursing career? Like, what thoughts Mm -hmm. do we have about it? And Mm -hmm. which of those facts, uh, sorry, which of those thoughts are factual? Right? Because we have 60,000 thoughts a day. Our brain loves stories up all of these subconscious thoughts and beliefs and not all, not all of them are true. So I think that one great activity is just documenting, you know, when you feel that misalignment, what am I thinking about all of this? Um, and getting it down onto paper and then assessing it. Is it story? Is it i.e. something that I'm just, my brain is offering me or is it a fact? Like this is factual. My manager completely is misaligned with my value of insert here, you know, X, um, and that's factual. And I could prove that to be true. And then from there, you can kind of start to make a decision about how you want to move forward. I think the cognitive piece is the biggest challenge, because as you mentioned, mm. we're in cognitive dissonance, right? So we've got multiple competing thoughts. And I always say like a confused brain never makes a decision. like We just stay in the land of stuck and maybe. So um, I would be downloading all of that from our brains, separating the two And then seeing um, from there, you know, um, how the misalignment kind of is within our career and what that looks like for us. And what do we want to do about it? Do you want to continue working there? Because it's all a choice, right? Mm. I think we forget that we have a choice. And that's something that I continually remind my nurses down here through high performance nursing is it is a choice to stay in an environment that's not aligned with you. Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, it's an option. (laughs) And
1: they're like, really?
0: Can I leave? I'm like, of course you can leave. You can do whatever the heck you want.
1: Yeah. I have nurses say to me, you mean there, I can work outside of acute care. Like there's, there's life outside the hospital. And I say, well, you know, 60 ish percent of American nurses work in a hospital. So Mm. the other 40%, I don't think they're sitting around like wishing they had a job most of them. So there there are definitely things they do. But when it comes to one's vision of one's mm-hmm. life, I work with my clients a lot on vision and I also work on mission, which I think are slightly different but they're related mm-hmm. to one another. And I like to understand, you know, when when someone comes to me and they want me to help them with their resume, so I think, great. I mean, I can help you with your resume. We can buff it up and put in the keywords and make it look nice for an applicant tracking system and you know all these things. However, if I don't really understand who you are and what you want, I can help you prep for interviews. I can guide you. and But what is it you actually want out of life? What are you and your partner or your children or your elderly parents, like, what are you trying to create? So is that part of what you look at with your clients as well, Mm. like pulling the camera back on their lives and taking a big, big bird's eye view? Yeah, totally. Because I mean, it's the missing piece, right? It's
0: okay. the missing. We're, we're taught as clinicians how to be amazing as clinicians. Mm-hmm. No one stops to ask us. And I had someone recently in coaching, and I mm-hmm. just asked, I was like, what do you think your values are? Like mm-hmm. what do you value in your life? And she was like no one's ever asked me that question. And I was like wow. You mm-hmm. know, that's really telling like we really got to refocus inwards and um and look from, you know, I like to look from afar and just really help them identify what is your career why? Why do you do what you do? You know, mm-hmm. to help people is not good enough. Like, you know, it needs to be more than that. We can't I'm just I'm so sit glad say, you said that. <laughs> like like everybody gives the same response you know i like to help people well that's lovely but in the moments of absolute chaos and moments of question where you're like why am i doing what i'm doing i like to help people's not going to get you through that you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I had a client that really honed in on her family. And she just was like, you know, my why is being able to be there for my children. So I Mm -hmm. want to work part time because I want to create my life so that I can be there for my children. I can take them to school. I can do X, Y, and Z. And that to this day is still her strong why, you know, and of course, it changes, right? As we evolve as humans. And I think that it's important for us to stop and go back and reflect and to reassess whether our why still aligns. But for me, the why is so integral in those moments of like, why did I become a nurse? (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, those moments, those days, those hours where you're like, what am I doing this for? Mm -hmm. That's where your why is so integral.
1: I love that. And that's very much aligned with the ways in which I speak with my clients. And there's also this whole idea for me when I work with folks and think about my own life too, is I like to look at the short term, the midterm, and the long term. So I think, okay, I'm speaking to nurse X, and nurse X is super unhappy. And it's pretty clear to me that we need to get her out of where she is, even if she just takes a contract position for four months. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, let's create a bridge to the next step of where you wanna be in your life, but let's get you the hell out of where you are right now because on a scale of one to 10, nurses love scales, right? You're on a nine or nine and a half in terms of burnout and unhappiness. So let's just kind of like get you a tolerable job unless maybe the person has the financial wherewithal to take a couple months off. Most people don't, though, I find. Mm. And then I like to talk about, okay, so how old are your children? You know, like, oh, you're going to have all your kids in in university in seven years. So what do you and your husband or wife want to happen then? So do you work with people on, on the life coaching side? Do you talk about, like, what what would your life look like in 15 years if you could orchestrate mm. it? Do you go there with people?
0: We do. Yeah, and that's one of my favorite things because I, like it? we talk we, we talk about like impossible goals, you know, like if you could do mm. anything that you mm. think is impossible, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. What would that look like for you? And we really dive into that. And it's really fascinating because our brains don't like going there. Our brains don't like looking at like what could be possible. And I think when you're in the nursepreneurship space, you kind of have to embed that within your practice, right? You have to believe and mm-hmm. see, and especially podcasting and so on and so forth. But as a nurse, like a lot of people will just say to me when I ask that question, they'll say, well, I just want to be a nurse. I just want to enjoy my job. And I'm like, we need more. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. dive deeper into that. What does that look like? Um, and mm-hmm. we have an activity where, we, like, we get them to map out like what would their ideal day look like? What would that perfect day look like for you? Um, talk us through it, like step, and I get them to step me through it. And it's interesting what that brings up. Of course, a lot of people struggle with that, but that's the point, right? The point is for them to see that they're really limiting what is possible for them in their careers. Mm-hmm. You can do. That's why I say, nurse on your terms. You can do whatever the
1: heck you want. <laughs> yeah. Now, why are we afraid to talk about what our perfect life would look like, have we mm-hmm. what are the messages we've received to tell us that that's not okay to even talk about?
0: yeah, well, I think um nurses, I think we in my experience I've certainly been conditioned to just play small like wait wait your time you know do your six seven years and then move and progress and you know then you'll get what you need and want and by that point I'm going to be burnt out and misaligned and fed up and not not loving my life Mm. so I think we've been conditioned into that system and then I also think that it's just it's social conditioning isn't it it's you know you know, go to work, do your thing, leave. You know, you don't have to be happy. Like we hear all these limiting beliefs that just keep us stuck. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, "What would life look like if I could be a nurse creator and uh-huh. I could live in Europe for six months?" Mm-hmm. Like that's a better question. It's more empowering. And even if you never make that happen,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you allow your brain to go there, and you will just create more from that place than you ever would if you're thinking, "I've just got to stay here in med storage
1: because this is my life."
0: Mm-hmm. Like that just makes me feel so terrible when I say that sentence.
1: <laughs> it, it makes me feel terrible too. And one thing I've been offering my clients over these last this last year and a half or so is working with me, but also working with my fiance, who's a very, very talented astrologer. And mm-hmm. that might sound kind of strange and esoteric and woo-woo to certain people, but certain clients find that looking at their life from that different holistic perspective and a spiritual perspective can be super helpful because it gets them out of their left brain to some extent into their right brain and being able to picture what their life is like so there's there's a lot of tools it all depends where you're coming from and when we come back from the break i want to talk about your ideas about developing skills outside the clinical space and what it means to be a nurse entrepreneur what it means to um create a life where, hint, hint, you moved to Paris for seven months or so. We'll talk about that and some other things. So does that sound good for the second half? Awesome. All right. Well, hang out with us here on episode 397 of the Nurse Case Show. We'll be right back with the second half with Liam Caswell of High Performance Nursing. Don't go away. Welcome back to the second half of the episode. We're here again with Friend of the Pod and my new friend and colleague, Liam Caswell, coming to us from Sydney, Australia. And Liam, we're talking about so many things and it's as if you and I have been reading each other's mail for a very long time (laughs) um, or each other's thoughts or something. And you know, we've been through similar paths. We've both experienced burnout, which I guess a lot of nurses can can relate to. You've been a nurse 13 years. I've been a nurse 26 years. You know, we have this certain trajectory we've both followed just some years apart. You're much younger and handsomer than me, but you know. <laughs> but we were talking about creating life we want, um, giving ourselves what word did you use? Permission. Permission mm-hmm. to, to, I mean, it might sound kind of cliche, but permission to dream about what our life might look like. Mm. And first, I want to start with Paris. So in very short order, you're going to be moving from Sydney to Paris to the seventh R&D's Mall mm-hmm. with your partner um, who works for the Australian government, the government. The government. Yeah. And you all are going to be ensconced in Paris for a while so has that always been a dream i know you've lived in scotland i know you've lived Mm. in the uk so let's just talk about that what's it like for you to look forward to eating croissants and drinking (laughs) red wine and walking down the champs Elysees?
0: yeah lots of cheese all of the things um awesome very excited yeah very excited i mean you know i am when I met my partner, I always knew that we'd be moving around and exploring different places. And mm. uh, and that has been my life so far, which is awesome. And that kind of was a, a key thing, right, in building my business was like, how can I be a nursepreneur and work from anywhere in the world and still have an impact? Um, And I guess I proved that to be true this year. I had two months where I went back home to Scotland and I traveled Europe for a month and I was working the whole time it's just incredible you know and people tell me you've got to stay in med sarge i'm like no you don't like if you don't want to do that you can do whatever you want mm-hmm. so i'm very excited about paris my french is absolutely abysmal mm-hmm. <laughs> i um i did not learn french at school so i'm gonna to have to do some intense uh language lessons when i get there but very excited about that and also already teed up a few um parisian nurses who i'm going to connect with wonderful to explore what um, that looks like I have this, um, I'm sidetracking here, but I have this vision for some, somebody might steal this idea, take it if you want. But, um, uh, this idea for like, uh, I'd love to go around the world and just check out all the healthcare systems. Like, can you imagine like, you know, the world's, I don't know the world's healthcare systems and like go into them and see what they look like. I think mm-hmm. it'd be fascinating. I think we'd learn so much as clinicians about that. So maybe you'll see that pop up on YouTube doing tours of Parisian, beautiful hospitals or something. <laughs> that
1: would be, that would be lovely. And yeah. Are the other croissants just as good at the hospital as they are on the Champs Elysees, right? Such um, a good question. Yeah. Isn't it a good question? You know, cause <laughs> in, in the hospital here, you, you know, if they mention, you know, a sandwich on a baguette, you know, it's sort of like a baguette that maybe was frozen and they put it in the microwave or something. So yeah, I'd love good. to know what actually happens in the food departments at sure. nutrition <laughs> departments and Parisian hospitals. So you're a living example of this ability to take your life on the road, mm-hmm. become a nurse entrepreneur, um, work out of the seventh R and D's Mont in Paris for a while before maybe you go back to. Australia. So, all right, not everyone wants to be a nurse entrepreneur, but some do. And some are quite successful. And a lot of us do the best we can in that world. What do you love about having your own business other than, say, being able to take your work and all of a sudden be working out of Paris? What else do you love? I think for me it's
0: it's really about being able it, it is being able to nurse on my own terms right it's being able to um create a life that aligns with my values and the life that I want to live, you know, I really focus in on what, is, what does Liam need and really build my life around that, but also being able to have an impact across just a wider spectrum of people. You know, I was working in a team, leading a team of 50 clinicians, which is amazing, but I always had this like need and urgency to help more people because I could just see what was happening. So through this avenue, through nursepreneurship, I get to influence people through the podcast, across as you do, you know across the world, and that for me is invaluable. That's priceless, you know? Mm. Um, that is why I do what I do is to be able to impact and to be a thought leader in this space so that we can really influence positive change.
1: Hmm, that's lovely. Now, I want to ask you the quintessential question or one of them anyway. Liam, are you still a real nurse if you don't do nursing anymore? <laughs> like if you don't lay your hands on people, are you a nurse? Well, that's a good question. Um, uh,
0: of course. Yeah, I know. It comes mm-hmm. up all the time, hey?
1: For sure. It does. Yeah. It does.
0: Um, I am still a real nurse. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is really interesting because even on this side of the spectrum, I don't know mm-hmm. about you, but it does throw mm-hmm. up some cognitive stories. Like I mm-hmm. do have some stories about that in my brain, but, um, but I am a real nurse and I am a nurse and I have 13 years of experience, right? And mm-hmm. I think that it's important for people, again, to give themselves permission to drop that narrative because it will never serve you if uh, if you buy into that story, and you will stay stuck, like you know, it, you will just stay stuck, burnt tight. Um, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm.
1: So, from my perspective, because I've been a full-time entrepreneur for seven years now or so, and I, I, I do nursing on the side now. It mm. used to be I had side hustles as a nurse entrepreneur, and I worked as a nurse worked really hard and I flipped that equation and now I pick up some nursing here and there when I feel like it or when I need some extra money or I just feel like like to be out in the world you know like touching patients and doing stuff it's kind of nice so I think you and I both agree that nursing is it's a lifestyle it's a work style and it's an identity so you don't have to from my perspective, you don't ever have to lay a hand on a patient once you graduate school at all if you don't want to. Mm-mm. Can you still be a real nurse if you never <laughs> work clinically ever after graduation? Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. Of course you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you ever have people come to you who have they have visions, like they have ideas, like, I had this idea and everyone tells me you can't do that. Or, Mm -hmm. or people, I always tell people, don't let other people shoot on you. Like you should Mm. do this. You shouldn't do that. Do people come to you with cool ideas and they, they just feel like they've, they've been shitted on so much that they just feel like they don't have permission to do Mm. that thing that is in their mind and in their mind's eye.
0: Totally. Yeah. Mm. I love that concept. I'm I might pinch mm. that. Um, Go for it. Uh, but yeah, no, it happens all the time. You know, I connect with nurses every day that are like, oh Liam, I've got this idea for this business, or I've got this idea within my career or how to lead my team better. And yeah, they just don't give themselves the permission. And we're we're usually looking to the wrong people for for advice like for advice and for permission to do that you know you don't need anybody else's advice and permission you can just do it and test and try it and i think that we're looking for that external validation rather than just really believing in ourselves and and testing it and trying it anyway and i think that that comes from like a, a lack in, in my experience of being open to failure, you know, and failure resilience and failure tolerance within our in our yes. within our careers. And I think that we don't have that capacity to increase that because we can't make mistakes. So therefore it then transcends into, you know, entrepreneurship or intrapreneurship in the hospital. And then outside in your own personal life, where you're like, oh, I don't want to invest in this or I don't want to, you know, join the career coaching program because I want to take a risk. I want to take, I don't want to fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and i'm constantly reminding people that like failure is how you succeed it's super important to fail <laughs> you must true. fail to grow yeah.
1: it's true it's true and there are lots and lots of skills that i've seen nurses develop that have nothing to do with clinical skills whatsoever and what's your philosophy and what do you tell people about developing those other parts of themselves that want to be expressed or mm. maybe that you know, you and I do things that we had no idea about ten or twenty years ago, or even maybe five years ago. So, what does it mean to develop skills that aren't, you know, traditional nursing skills?
0: Mm. I think there's such a gap in the non-clinical space for the things that we all need to learn, um, and we all have them to varying degrees, right, from our upbringing and and from life in general. But for me, it's two two folds: um, mindset and I would say mindset and feelings are the two things that I think nurses really could hone in on more based on my coaching experience. So one is learning how to manage that inner critic narrative that I think most of us have, um, that we buy into and we believe. You know, it's 701 when the, the world's falling down around us and we've just started our shift. And that that narrative then just adds an extra layer of complexity for us. It just makes us much hard it makes it much more difficult to deliver the best care and to look after yourself whilst on shift. So Mm -hmm. mindset is integral you know the thoughts that we have create the results that we have in our life so if our mind is left unattended i'm really a big believer in this that we need to really be aware of that clean it out have a bit of a spring clean in our brain um every day even pre and post shift so that we can operate from a place of intentionality um and deliver care from that place rather than fight or flight stress worry fear all of the Mm time
1: Mm -hmm. So, for you, it all comes down to to mind mindset, the ways in which one sees oneself, and maybe we could say the way we visualize our potential, maybe if we use yeah. that word potential,
0: yeah, I mean, I think like. If we all got really curious about the thoughts that we tell ourselves every day, you know, as clinicians, as nurses, as humans, it'd be really interesting to see what that looked like for everybody and Mm. whether or not that is factual and true right i know i run a lot of stories like and i hear it all the time in coaching i'm not good enough you know i'm not mm-hmm. capable i'm not worthy i'm not confident enough and mm-hmm. we think that all of these things come from the external world mm-hmm. but they come from us right like confidence is created from within confidence is something that we foster and we create um you know um we overcome imposter syndrome not by you know going out and doing things in the external world but by changing our narrative about it because we can do these things, we've proven to ourselves already, right, through our degrees and through our studies. So I think that the thoughts that we have about ourselves are so important for our career growth um, and also our growth as a human. And I think that personal development piece in nursing is mm-hmm. missing is a missing piece.
1: Yeah, and and what if what if we have a vision of ourselves as a leader? And here in the U.S., there are. Certain organizations that I observe that seem to actively foster leadership and they actually seem to have a leadership funnel of some kind. And I think it's very, very important for younger nurses. And I see certain nurses from the millennial generation who are stepping into leadership and assuming the reins of healthcare. In really powerful ways, mm. whether they've either been mentored as leaders or they've just kind of like carpe diem, they just kind of seized the moment and they've positioned themselves as leaders. So, do we need permission to be leaders? Or can we create, how do we create this sense that we are leaders?
0: Mm. Um, That's such a good question and something that I talk about a lot. I believe Mm -hmm. that every nurse is a leader. Every nurse, whether you're on the floor whether you're in the, the executive office, you're a leader, right? You're leading your patients, you're leading your peers, you're leading students, maybe healthcare assistants, whatever that might look like. Um, I think that as we as we build, like we definitely don't need permission to get to that space. You know, I've worked with graduates who are like finished their transition to practice to the residency program, and they get straight into leadership at the end of that first year, because that is who they are at their core. The system tells them you've got to wait five years, you've got to get your master's in healthcare leadership, and then we'll consider you, but it's not true you know that that individual was so ready she was she saw herself as a leader, she had the leadership mindset she really wanted to serve and she made it happen. Mm-hmm. and I think that it's evidence that I'm not saying it's good or bad or that it's right or wrong um but it's evidence that you know if you really believe in your abilities to create something, then you can create that and it all starts with just a sentence in your mind, you know so that's why I'm so. Conscious of the stories that people tell themselves day to day. Because if you tell yourself for long enough that you're not good enough, you believe that to be true, right? And that impacts your abilities to deliver care. Um, instead, if you were saying like, I, I I might not know how to do this. However, I know that I can, you know, I can work this out. That's mm-hmm. just a much more empowering thought to navigate life from. Um, and that's all available to to
1: everybody, right? In every situation. I love that i love that so whether you want to find a job in fiji and you want to work internationally or you'd like to become a chief nursing officer of a large healthcare system or you'd like to create a some sort of coaching practice or business or maybe invent a product or an app or you know something like that the the potential's there and and i think you and i come from the same mindset that Mindset is important, and that mm. we need to not we we need to watch our self limiting thoughts that keep us from manifesting stuff that we feel is part of our dream. And mm. I think you made a point earlier that that well, one that you have to be prepared to fail, and and also that we don't always manifest all our dreams, right? Mm. You you said something along those lines, yeah. Yeah. and isn't that's but we have to we have to put ourselves out there and take risks i think don't we yeah
0: yeah i think that it's less you know when i set a goal now i think that it's less about actually achieving the goal and it's more about who do i become in pursuit of that goal hmm. and i think that that's so important for nurses to recognize it's it's not about you know um, being the CNO, like the chief nursing officer or the, the nurse unit manager. It's not about that. But if you reach for the stars, you will get yourself there and you'll get you might get yourself there, you might get yourself closer to mm-hmm. that. And it's about who you become on that journey and what comes up for you. And it's usually always personal, right? The clinical stuff, we know we can develop this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why it breaks my soul a little bit when you know people funnel so much into their um professional development as a nurse clinically, and that's amazing, and we should do that. But at the same time, you really need to, there's a, another whole part of you that you're completely missing. Mm-hmm. And that another, you know, um, education day on cannulation or like, you know, putting in lines or whatever pathophysiology is not going to um, impact you and your growth as much as really looking at who you are and what that looks like for you and how you
1: can bring that into your career. Right. And it, and it breaks my heart when someone says, oh, I, I, am um... I'm afraid to do X, Y, or Z because I'll lose my skills. And I'm always like, if you want to go back and learn how to, you know, care for a central line or start an IV because you're rusty, you'll find a way to have an opportunity to start IVs again. You, Mm. You can't stay in the clinical space or limited, very limited role because you're afraid you're gonna lose your skills. Because yes. I feel like that kind of fear stands in our way so much. And and I think that's why the work you're doing is important. And it's you and I have this mirror image in the two hemispheres. And I think that's really wonderful. And, you know, I I really highly recommend people check out High Performance Nursing, the podcast. And you're now part of the Health Podcast Network, yeah. along with many of us. And mm-hmm. While you're living in Paris, you will have an easy um, entree to go have lunch with Dan Kendall in London sometime. Yep, I <laughs> the, will. The CEO and founder of Health Podcast Network. So that I'll, I'll envy you that opportunity. <laughs> um, and High Performance Nursing is on Facebook. It's on Instagram. You're on LinkedIn. And then it's liamcaswell.com. It's L-I-M-C-A-S-W-E-L-L.com. That'll all be in the show notes and everything. And, you know, before we say goodbye. And this won't be the last time, but you know, we have to wrap up. I have four quick questions I ask all my guests and maybe you've sure. heard some guests answer these. So you have a little head start if you've done your homework. Um, <laughs> so this is an easy one for you. But the first question is, how do you define success personally or professionally? I
0: think it's just what you make it mean in your mind. You know, success is available to you right now. So it's the stories you tell yourself about if you're successful or not.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I knew you'd say something like that. Um, The second question is could you name, or if you don't want to name them, just describe them, a person who's inspired you in the course of your life? They could be living or dead, they could be famous, Mm -hmm. or just someone in your very, very intimate personal life who's impacted you. Mm.
0: Oh, there's so many. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention my career coach who set me on this path. Hmm. I, I had such mind drama about choosing a non-clinical career coach because at the time I couldn't find a nurse career coach in Australia. So her name is Beck McFarlane, she runs Pop Your Career, Pop Your Business. And she was just integral for me in in moving forward and working through all of my limiting beliefs and just curiously asking questions like Liam you know maybe you could set up a business and just that seat planted mm-hmm. and two years you know two years from that we've got a podcast with 80 download, uh, like 80 episodes and you know i work full time in career
1: coaching and i absolutely love it so i
0: i, I owe it all to Beck
1: for sure that's wonderful and it's called pop your career yeah pop your career okay yeah. hopefully some people will look that up uh, the penultimate question is there a book or even a movie And it doesn't have to be an absolute favorite, just whatever comes to mind that's had an impact on the way you think or maybe the way you live your life.
0: Mm. Um, I'm listening to The Mountain is You by Brianna West at the moment. It's an amazing book. It's all about psychology and self development. So that's Mm. one. And I might give you a second one because this one really hit me was um, my God, I'm going to butcher the name. I think it's Big Magic or Creative Magic by Liz (laughs) Gilbert. Mm-hmm. um and it's i think it's big magic um that book changed how i looked at everything you know it's really about creativity and thoughts and like ideas and conceptualizing ideas and how ideas come to you from the universe it's kind of a little woo woo but i really loved it um and yeah it it changed the whole way that i think about creativity and it's my highest value so i think that's why it's my top book
1: oh lovely yeah it is um big magic how to create how to live a creative life um by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. It's on yep, Audible yep. on Amazon, etc. Yep. Okay. Yep. And last but not least, final question. If there's one piece of advice you would give 18 year old Liam right now, mm. whether he would listen or not, what would you tell little Liam? <laughs> um
0: I would tell him that I you'll never know the how. Just just move forward, just keep trying, testing, failing, succeeding, and just keep going. And I'm like, don't get caught up on how you're gonna get there. Just take action and it'll it'll happen.
1: I love that because how when those are often the roadblocks we, we create for ourselves. I have an idea for a business at Liam, but I don't know. the first thing about it, how would I ever do it? And then totally you, you can end up never doing anything. So maybe Liam yeah. would listen. Maybe he would yeah. give, you, give you a listen. <laughs> well, Liam, I'm so glad you reached out to me. I'm so glad we got to connect. I'm so glad you're part of the Health Podcast Network and that you're going to have dinner in London with with Dan. Shout out to Dan Kendall sometime soon. And you're going to mail croissants to all of us from Paris. So, you know, it's all wonderful. It's all good. But thank, seriously, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. And you're, you're amazing. And I'm so glad you're out there in the world doing what you're doing.
0: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And you know, all of this is possible because I I found your podcast many Aww. years ago. So thank you. Um, the work that you do is incredible. And um, it's a privilege to be here. I was kind of fangirling at the start. I was uh, oh, it's so <laughs> a bit nice. nervous about being here, but thank you.
1: I love that. Thanks. And we'll have you back. Don't never fear. Awesome. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Nurse Keith Show with Liam Caswell of High Performance Nursing. Remember the show notes and everything you need to know about Liam will be at nursekeith.com or on whatever app you're listening. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. Take some inspired action and look at that mindset, just like Liam was talking about, and all sorts of magic things can happen in your life when you do so. If you need personalized, holistic career coaching, look no further than nursekeith.com or High Performance Nursing. So check us both out, work with whoever feels like the best person to work with and consider becoming a patron of the show at patreon.com or just send a rating and review. That would be a great thing. If you could do me that solid, it really helps the show. We are a proud member of the health podcast network, which you can find at healthpodcastnetwork.com where you can also find... High performance nursing. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting, and Mark Cappy is our stalwart social media ringmaster and newsletter wrangler. Before we say goodbye, I'll leave you with this quote by poet and writer David White One of the keys to any possible happiness in work must be the little self knowledge it takes to know what we desire in life, how we are made and how we belong to the rest of the world. So be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And Sir Liam Caswell saying bonjour, bonsoir from... Paris, eventually, in a few weeks. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Thank you, Liam. Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone for listening. And we will catch you on the proverbial flip side. Thank you